Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Daniel Moody. Daniel is a songwriter, a photographer, and also a men's coach. Uh, this episode's great for men and women, though. He talks about anger, resentment, and also his plant medicines he's tried. It's a great episode about transformation and uh, yeah, just becoming your best self. It's really good. I think you'll enjoy. Check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. We're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records, so check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everyone. My guest this week, Daniel Moody. All right, welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. I'm here with Daniel Moody. Daniel, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, yeah, like I know you're a songwriter, a photographer, but you're also a men's coach. You uh, help a lot of guys uh, deal with their anger, resentment, and just kind of growth and self-transformation, which uh, honestly, it's a big part of my podcast, a big theme of it. Um, yeah, maybe kind of let my audience know uh, kind of what you do in that uh, realm. Yeah, so men's coaching is kind of a, a funny word. It's... It's something that brings up a lot of different reactions of people, depending on who I'm talking to. Sometimes people are very standoffish about it. Um, they think of toxic masculinity. They think of fragile masculinity. Um, and then some people think of just how necessary that kind of work is because they know men that are hurting in their lives. And it's very easy to see once you start to inquire behind a lot of the problems that are men's problems that we face in this world, such as violence, once you dig down beneath, like what are the root causes of these things? Uh, you typically just find trauma. Ooh. You find someone that's hurting. You find someone that was abused themselves. Or um, for me personally, uh, a lot of my work, my inner work and the work that I do with others has been around anger. And anger is a very misunderstood emotion. It's both a positive and a negative emotion. It actually feels good to be angry. You can basically... Um, become it can become a part of your personality one one that you identify with or it can also become something that's like a villain inside yourself that you're basically getting possessed by and, and it's doing damage in your life um, but typically anger acts as a shield which behind uh, that is usually something along the lines of fear or sadness and um so yeah, doing this kind of work with men is really just to reveal the the things that are really causing a lot of the problems in our lives and in our world at large. Um, and personally, I've found it to be some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. Uh, and a lot of it really just feels like connecting with another human being, another friend, just somebody that has been through a certain thing in life that we can we can walk through this kind of thing side by side. Um, yeah, it's 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 sort of like a blend of um, mentor and and uh, sometimes it's spiritual guide, sometimes it's therapist, sometimes it's just having somebody that's like a big brother um, who who gives a damn about you, who cares about you, and and wants to see you do do well. 
I love that. Uh, that's uh, that's great work, man. Um, honestly, I think you described anger so perfectly as well. I, I know how you said sometimes anger can be pleasurable, which honestly, I completely understand that once in a while you like you get into those uh, kind of mindsets where you like really want to feel angry because it, it, it does feel good. And like that can be a kind of a shitty place to be because you're just constantly trying to go back to that anger, anger all the time. Right. Yeah, well, a lot of people use anger as a fuel. And I mean, I mean I, I've learned uh, in my own integration process to use anger um, to basically take it and transmute it as just pure energy into something meaningful rather than having it be something that um, sort of just is unleashed upon people that are so undeserving of it. Um, but it does have that positive edge to it. And, and that way it can actually be quite addictive. Um, because it feels powerful at the same time. And, and a lot of problems that we have are because we do not feel powerful. Usually anger is a response from the fact that we've given our power away or a boundary has been uh, uh, passed. And we feel this, this surge of anger inside of us as, as actually our own individual power sort of uh, rejecting uh, this, this cross boundary or this, this thing that's been done to you. Um, and, and it's one of the only ways that we can feel powerful. And so the, the work is really figuring out how to how to set up healthy boundaries and things like that so that when you do feel angry, that that can be used in a, in a healthy way. Okay, that's, uh, that's an amazing way to describe uh, anger. I've never actually heard it like that. So you're kind of saying if somebody kind of crosses your boundaries and like takes away your power almost, that mm -hmm. like that anger is almost your own way, like unconscious way of trying to get that power back yeah well it's not so much that it's um it's not so much a power grab it's just that we feel disempowered in our lives typically um so many of us fall into this lifestyle of having had our autonomy squashed out of us either by authority figures parents school society work whatever and so we don't actually feel powerful enough to do things on our own behalf to speak on our own behalf and so the anger comes up because it doesn't have anywhere to go it doesn't have anything it, you, your your own power is actually being blocked your own decision your own preferences are being blocked so it builds up as this resentment and the anger oftentimes it'll be released and it'll feel like this huge surge of power because it is it's it's pent up things that you could be putting towards simply saying no when you mean yes uh, or or say, yeah yeah when you when you go about uh doing something that you don't actually want to do anyway even though um everything inside of you would would prefer it that you speak up for yourself that that's where the anger usually comes from that's uh yeah that's uh, amazing man i like how you've done this uh, this kind of work honestly like uh that whole idea of like describing anger like that uh like i can tell that you've done like a really deep dive into it yeah because i i can i can really understand that now that you're saying that it's like you you get pent up because like you feel powerless a lot of times in your life and then yeah you kind of like let that go sometimes in a surge but it, it is sometimes just it feels like it's kind of unconsciously it's just like you feeling unempowered in your life when like really i guess like so are you saying like the tools that you try to give to people are kind of be able to like make boundaries to say no to like kind of become more self-empowered to like choose your own direction a little bit more Absolutely. But at first, it's really important to just acknowledge the feelings that are going on. Um, like we were talking about earlier, the, the things behind the anger are often fear and sadness. 
there's a wound there. There's, um, there's something that really needs to be addressed. And if you don't consider yourself in a part of the equation, just like setting a boundary, your own preferences, if you don't consider your own needs, it's just going to happen again and again and again. So learning first to recognize that you are angry is actually, so, you know, you, have you ever uh, encountered somebody that is really, really seething and you say, why, why are you so upset? And they're like, I'm not upset. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's to first recognize um, what's going on inside you is 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 the beginning. It's that's the first step um, because you got to put a name to it. You got to you got to start to recognize what it feels like so that you can notice your patterns, and your patterns will start to reveal like the most important areas of work where you can then start to put your attention and say, Hey, there's, there's a boundary. That's, that's where I need to set a boundary. And this is where I mean to say no, but I said yes. And I did this anyway. Um, this is where I'm being encroached upon. And that, that slowly, it's basically, I, I kind of feel like it's um, plugging up all the leaks. You know, your, your energy is being given away to your boss, to your, to your teacher, to your wife, to your kids, whatever. And you, you plug up all the leaks so that you can, um, well, there's this one saying that I really love, you know, it's, it's all for them, but it starts with me. You start taking care of yourself first so that you can actually be generous. But if you, if you, if you're basically constantly giving everything away and just feeling resentment and anger and instead, which is a very common pattern for us, um, particularly men, um, then, then yeah, the, the work is always start with yourself, go inward and look, look there first and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it, like, like you said, it, it, the work starts with self-awareness almost. You have to become aware of what you're doing, of, of your patterns, of all these things. So I can understand how that would definitely, sometimes in any kind of uh, self-work or self-discovery yeah, kind of work, awareness is where you kind of start at. Um, you did say something about you become resentful when you're constantly yeah, when you don't start with yourself, can you ex- uh, expand on that a little bit more? Well, you know, the holistic psychologist said it very succinctly. Um, she said that resentment is a sign of self-abandonment. Okay. And man, did that that hit home for me when I first read that. Um, the, the proclivity to self-abandon is so unconscious for so many of us. We don't, we don't first... We don't really even see this happening because it's probably been done to us or it was it was given to us by example. We mimicked it when so we're not actually aware of the fact that we're uh, saying no when we um, we're saying yes when we mean no. We're not aware um, that we're giving away our power. And so by giving giving all of this to other people, we often feel this buildup of, well, hey, what about me? Why aren't you considering me? Why aren't you taking care of me? And that's, this is often the, the, the inversion of, uh, of most people's problems. Let me just speak for myself of my own problems. It was an inversion of, I was giving all of my energy away first before, before paying myself. You know, there's that business thing. It's like you, you pay yourself first. Um, you, you have to take care of yourself first instead of being outwardly oriented, because what that does when you're outwardly oriented on, on giving to these uh, other people in your life that you're, that you've chosen to take care of, you're, you're 
expecting them to take care of you so uh, unconsciously because you are sort of unconsciously taking care of them first you want somebody to come and take care of you it's not actually an autonomous being relating with another autonomous being it's 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 the the, the beginning of 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 codependency of that sort of like unconscious i take care of you you take care of me i'm responsible for you you're responsible for me and what that does is like when you have anger it's like well it's your fault that i'm angry when, which that actually never you start blaming you you never end it's always somebody else's fault somebody back up the chain well, it wasn't my fault it was my parents fault was it their fault it was their parents fault it's society's fault the blaming never actually ends it's only when you take responsibility fully for your sphere of influence which is your body and three feet around you where you can reach that's you and everything inside of it is you so this person provokes something in you it's not their fault what you what, what's actually constructive is to say thank you for pointing out what i need to work on i'm really angry about this why am i angry and go from there mm-hmm. that's uh, honestly such a great uh i love how you describe that and honestly i could tell like so many people does kind of struggle with this in our society men and women but even like I, I know a lot of uh, women I know who would complain about men like uh, the exact same way you were just talking about because sometimes that whole issue is like men we don't communicate like if a big part of it is like if you communicate your needs to somebody like clearly then they at least they know and then like something can actually happen with them trying to fill fulfill your needs fully but like if you just go to like completely being like i'm going to put you first but don't communicate any of your needs how the heck are they going to know and then that because of that that can like turn into some sort of resentment because deep inside you're kind of going like hey why aren't my needs keep being f- fulfilled am, am i saying that right yeah and you know what's more to the point is that we we have to establish a relationship with ourselves and self-awareness and self-work just to be able to come to a clear list of what it is that you actually need. Because if you ask the average person, what do you need? Well, they might say, I need more money or I need more time off or I need more love. And it's like, okay, specifically, let's break down love. How do you feel love? When do you actually receive it? When do you actually feel like this person cares about you? What actions do they do? And, and what does it make you feel in your body? And how, how are you going about getting it? What are, you, what are your means of asking for it? Is it passive aggressive? Is it clearly stated? And is this person even in a position to be able to hear that? Are they asking that question? You know, this, it, it starts with yourself um, because most of us have absolutely no idea what we need. And the things that we think we need are often usually um, surrogates for what's what's really going on deeper beneath there. And a lot of it stems from that resentment building problem of self-abandonment. Because when you abandon your own energies, you don't realize that you're actually a complete system. All in and of yourself, you can actually regulate your own mind, your own body, your own emotions. You can do this within yourself. You know, there's a process called reparenting. And a lot of us have childhood wounds, but many of us, especially those of us that are parents now, can know within ourselves the capacity of soothing someone else, of soothing a child. But we very rarely ever give this to ourselves because it wasn't taught to us, but it's beginning to be taught to us again in the culture. And by reparenting yourself, you actually recognize that you are both the wounded child and the parent in the same container. And so when you give that attention to your, your wounded child within yourself, you complete the circuit. You speak to your own child and say, I, I am going to take care of you like you haven't been taken care of before. I see that you feel unsafe. I see that you're scared. I see that you're afraid. I see that you feel unloved. And I'm going to give that to us now. 
And in so doing, you can actually dramatically repair a, a, a tremendous amount of, of trauma and childhood wounding. Um, and then you have the capacity to do that for other people. But first, learning how to do this for yourself completes the circuit to realize that you don't actually require the other person to give you this soul-filling love, this thing that's going to save you, which is the illusion that a lot of us um, are operating under, that, that we're going to find that perfect love or that perfect partner, and they're going to be our parents' surrogate, and they are going to take care of us and love us in a way that they, our parents never could. But that's not actually how it works. You know, the... Um, the imago partner, the um, uh, getting the love you want, uh, the, that that talks about uh, how your partner is basically this person that is primed to challenge you in all the unique and specific ways that you they they're going to trigger you exactly where your buttons are, and it, usually what that means is that the both of you feel like totally estranged from each other, and oh my god, I'm in the wrong relationship, I need to get out. Um, but what actually is revealed is the truth of, of long-term relationship. The truth of marriage is that this person and all this hardship and all the challenges that they bring is actually giving you the ability to do the work that you need to do to become an adult, to mm. face the, the uncomfortable truth that you have to do this work and become autonomous. You have to face the fact that you're your own responsibility in this world, that you are on your own two feet, and that you know, you're, you are going to, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, to accept just that, but the, the even harder truth is that you're going to, you're going to die someday and that you're going to lose these people and that they're not permanent fixtures of your life. And then they're not guaranteed. And this moment is a precious gift. And so by being in these kinds of relationships, by choosing to stay in them and do the hard work, you can actually mature past the limitations, which was actually your boundaries or your unconscious boundaries, where you're saying, no, this person has to take care of me. It's this person's responsibility to make me feel whole and safe. When you break through that boundary, you do the uncomfortable work, you face it, you walk through the fire, you end up becoming autonomous in a way that is so satiating and so simple that it's, it's kind of alarming to look back and realize just how much pain was coming up. Um, from just not being with your own self, not taking care of your own self and your own needs. Um, so that's that's sort of the process of individuation. The both of you do this work together. You stay through the discomfort and you can actually learn to love yourself and then learn to love each other through the love languages that where you actually both feel like you're being loved. Mm -hmm. Damn, that was uh, really well said, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think there's any toxic masculinity in any of the stuff you're preaching. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> yeah, honestly, man, I, I really, I uh, really like what you said there, and um, I honestly, any kind of of this kind of work, when people start talking about it, I always love it when they say like, start with yourself, because if you're not doing that, then you're not this. The the work isn't like real I don't I don't feel because like you're like it's not right like you were saying to expect it from your partner so it's not right to expect it from anything else yeah. rather it's the world or anything like to come to you. you have to start with yourself and that that self-soothing that you were talking about I uh I I love it I'm uh it, it's kind of cool like I've been doing uh I've been doing some work with this uh, book called The Artist's Way. It's just to kind of get my creativity going it's there. It's a brilliant book. Oh, yeah, you've uh, read it. It's uh, it's an mm -hmm. awesome book. And that that's uh, one thing that's in there about, like, uh, self-soothing your artist or your inner artist child kind of thing. And that's because, yeah, like, 
a lot of times like your creative child, whatever is like trying to make whatever creative, creative stuff that you're doing, like that gets wounded very easily. And a lot of times we don't even recognize it. So that because it gets wounded, we end up like kind of retreating from the work that we're doing, our artistic work, our creative work that usually makes us feel alive. We start retreating from it because we're wounded. So we kind of like, you know, we procrastinate or we do whatever kind of crap that we do to retreat from it. But like, I've been learning to like just self-soothe that child and it's been so good like my writing's been taken off and i've it's it's just like something that like that self-soothing is so good i've also like done a little bit of therapy for some pain that i've been having um and i've noticed that that pain's very linked to my anxiety and the big thing is when that anxiety pops up a lot of times i try to run away from it and i do that unconsciously by doing many different things but like sometimes I might just start eating junk food or I might do something like different like that but I, I'm trying to run away from that pain because or that anxiety because I'm just not I don't like it but when I self-soothe that when I can kind of be like okay it's popping up and then like and I kind of tell myself hey it's okay it's here like why are you here blah 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 and just be very loving and gentle and aware of it being aware of it and allowing it to be it's uh completely allowed myself to be so much more safe in my body and feel safe in my body that I can now work with this a little bit more and actually kind of yeah it really makes you feel free when I'm when you're working with it and makes you feel more self-empowered because of that and it's way better than running away from it absolutely I mean I, I like the way that you uh, phrased it you feel safe in your body mm. Having um, having looked behind anger, a lot of that being fear and sadness uh, from self-abandonment or from um, not having basic needs met, there, there's basically this unnameable, unspeakable place within each one of us where there is a cloud of sensation. And we we call those things emotions or, or feelings, um, pain, pleasure. But really what it is, is just a place within yourself that you were totally content not having a concept about as a child, as an infant, you were most safe, most comfortable. But as we continue to down the path of development in this, in this world, we, we have words that help separate and organize and dissect and, and these things just simply obscure what's going on. And, you know, safety is one of those words that if everybody were to just take a moment and sit inside their body and just imagine the word safe, do I feel safe in my body? Do I feel safe where I am right now? That can bring up a huge list of, of things to inquire even deeper about. What was that sensation there in my gut, in my heart, in my neck, behind my eyes? What is that connected to? And, and the more you start to recognize this inner world that doesn't have any names, that doesn't fit into a simple box or container or organizer, um, you, you begin to have that relationship with yourself where you can actually feel safe because you recognize what's going on inside of you. It's not just some sort of crazy mixture of things you're trying to run away from or trying not to feel, but actually are things that are quite um quite manageable, quite uh, pleasant, um, quite uh, useful, actually, 
because like you were saying, the artist's way there for the artist, there is a tremendous capacity to use that energy of, of pain and suffering and transmute it into art, uh, a, a means of expressing some sort of inner human truth that we all can relate to in some fascinating way. This reflects this. I look at this art and I have this reflection within myself. And if, if that art makes you feel something, a lot of times artists will speak of that as the highest ideal. My art made you feel something. Well, what does it make you feel? And why does it make you feel that? That, that deeper inquiry um, into that, that silent mystical place allows you to, 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 to find safety in the mystery of being a, a human being, of being alive and having this sort of crazy mystical experience on the outside as well as on the inside. You know, the artists sort of sit on the periphery of the known. So if you think of like, the, there's this circle and we're all inside the circle and inside the circle is everything that we know, everything that we, we've experienced and we can log and we have words for. And then outside the circle is the mystery, is the universe, is, is all the things we've yet to understand or put words on. And the artists sit on the periphery and they're basically sitting here with their tools and their mediums of, of, of communicating to ourselves, to each other, what it is that they're viewing and peering off into the mystic, like looking off into the night sky and, and coming to see meaning in the stars. The, the, the artists allow us a, a way of communicating and, and, and relating with the unknown because it's very much a part of our universe simply because we do not have words for it, simply because you don't have a word for what feeling you have inside of you. It's very much a part of you. So that, that artist, um, just it's, it's brilliant to me that you are finding um, movement and, and, and working away blockages to where you can find that sort of joy of creation again. Yeah. And honestly, that's, uh, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, part of just the whole thing. I, li I like how you said, like how you were talking about these inner emotions, these inner turmoils, like they can like, actually give you a lot of insight into like the human just like the human condition and that's how artists can use that but everybody can use that it's like it really is such a powerful thing to just kind of become familiar with this and it you become so like it, it is self-empowerment it really is because once you once you become be able to become like feel safe with your inner world and like see all those inner things that are happening and really feel safe in it. it it like honestly it just makes your just your whole life so much better like you really can feel that you can do so much more and that's when deeper insights into like what you want to do with your life start coming to you because now that you're feeling safe with all this stuff you become feeling more safe in the regular world like you become you become more safe telling people what you really feel you become more safe pursuing what you really want like that's when like that's when you can really get deeper insights of like what you actually want to do like with this uh, life absolutely you know i see it along the lines of getting out of your own way uh, you know, the energy flows through you and, you know, rises up through you and wants to be released. Um, but most of us, uh, we, we develop patterns for holding on to it, for clinging to it. In this moment, I'm being challenged in this particular way. It makes my, my solar plexus spasm and year after year, that spasm becomes this knot in my gut where I don't actually fully expand my lungs. And that was what was true for me as I was constantly in this cycle of, of trying to control and manipulate my world with, with really, really subpar tools and knowledge. 
And all it was doing was basically creating an imprint in my body of, of pain, uh, of trauma, of, of resistance and of, of, you know, built up stress. And it was, it was creating this feedback loop where I wasn't fully expanding my lungs all the way. Therefore I wasn't actually in, enjoying the, the full bliss of, of a, of a fresh uh, breath of air. Um, you know, hours and hours would go by. I'd be sitting at my computer. My my shoulders would be hunched over, and I would be basically be reducing this huge lung capacity to this very very small pocket of air that was never getting fully refreshed because I was never fully exhaling or inhaling. Mm. And so my the patterns of my life were actually holding me to a much smaller container. N you know, metaphorically, this smaller container can represent the the way that i see myself in the world but very practically it has to do with the way i'm holding my body the the relationship with the self starts with the body because the body is is the instrument through which we live our life through which this this you were talking about like finally having the clarity to, to express what you really want out of life and what you really want to do with your time and getting unstuck in that way allows that energy to flow through you so that you know the pain is not blocking you anymore the resistance and the fear of what are, what are people going to think of me if i were to speak truly of this what am i going to lose if if i just speak my truth once that fear is allowed to be felt and then released the freedom to actually feel the excitement or the joy of what you actually want to do with your life is allowed to flow through. And I kind of think of that as the soul of the world. Mm -hmm. There is, there is one thing that I am that's Daniel and I have this body and I'm, I'm one separate unit, but more truthfully, I am the air in my lungs, which is a part of the air of this world. I am the water and the food. I am the, the imprint of my parents and my siblings. I am everything that I've ever read. I am the, the, the energy that I get from the people that I'm around. And so I'm not just one thing. I'm actually a part of something much larger. And when we were talking about feeling a sense of belonging, people want to feel like they belong with, well, of course they do. We are, we are a, a social creature. We are, we were born and raised in villages. It's very new for us to be isolated, for us to be individualistic and to think, how, how am I going to make my mark on this world entirely on my own, entirely based upon <laughs> my own ego? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of insanity. We were actually, when you're when you are at your most happiest is when you are the most selfless, when you're giving to others. I mean, this is ancient knowledge, but this is something you can go and verify for yourself. As long as you're taking care of your own energetic needs, you can then be generous to those that you're are in your village, are in your family. And when you truly give of yourself with that way, and you're not thinking about outcome and you're not concerned about your yourself because your needs are met, you are the most peaceful way place that you can be is to be to totally integrated in a place of service. These higher ideals are not abstractions that, you know, the church says that you should be in service and that, you know, some sort of dogma, yada, yada, yada brain stuff, right? No, actually, it's something entirely related to the body. When you are when you are taking care of your own energetic needs, uh, you, energy and and life and love are, are allowed to flow through you. And when you give that to something of purpose, like you plant those seeds in the soil, you are generous and and gentle with your children. You are present and engaged and in love with your wife. There's the place for life to flow directly through you and directly where it wants to go. Mm -hmm. So there's that feeling of belonging is, is integrated into everything that you're doing. It flows right through you. And then it's directly there coming straight through your hands. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, that's uh, well said, man. And like, honestly, when you, uh, when you look at it that way, when, 
when you get that energy flowing through you in like a in a better way because like like you were saying that anger or resentment or any of the stuff that's in us like when we become unconscious of our body we like you become like you just try to like mask all that shit all the time and that's what kind of becomes our unconscious patterns and our habits and stuff like that but when you can actually become aware of that then like actually kind of get rid of them like one by one like that's where you can actually allow like excitement joy love all of those like more positive like really fun like emotions to feel um come into your life like you really like it is nice like just like i i don't know if you know i told i haven't told you i'm a comedian so like working with this artist way and like really getting away uh, rid of my blocks like now it's like i feel like it's like every day i kind of come back to like writing uh, my like jokes and stuff and it's just so much excitement that's coming into my life and into just the practice of doing that and it's just like that excitement's such a fun feeling. I love it. And it's and it doesn't mean like this is permanent. Like, trust me, I still have those bouts of anger. I still yeah. am dealing with like some of the pain that I've been and anxiety that I've had, but like I've gotten so much better at dealing with it. And uh, I've been able to like allow a ton of this excitement and joy to come back into my life, which is just like, it really makes uh makes like everything just so much more worthwhile and like just it, it's like filled me with so many more plans that i just have for the future that's brilliant i mean that's that's what we would all want and for you and for ourselves is that there be love and life and joy and something to look forward to particularly in in the realm of comedy i mean i i respect comedy so much for what it is it's a way for us to look at the truth, look at the hard absurdities of reality, look at look at things that, you, you know, you, the comedian is basically always on the edge. Um, they're they're pushing us to to question things unconsciously and through laughter. I mean, laughter is one of the most fundamentally important things. It's one of my four favorite things on the planet. Um, and it's and it's it, you know a lot of a lot of this work is done through. Um, releasing energies and sometimes that looks like screaming sometimes it looks like crying um, sometimes a lot of time for me it's laughter uh, it's it's allowing the absurdity to just sort of roll off of me and yeah I'm in a crazy chaotic situation right now where you know the the animals are tripping me up around my feet and my kids are asking me for something and my wife's mad at me about something and I got 10 things to do on my list and I'm not doing any of them well and I just laugh because what the hell else am I going to do right now and that energy is released it's a profoundly useful medicine to just laugh uh, you can face unbelievable hardship and fear with laughter and it's it's amazing that something so simple and something taken for granted can actually be one of the most powerful tools we have heck yeah man no it definitely is um and uh yeah when you were saying that like there's like so many ways to release that energy like laughter even like crying um there's like yeah there's tons of ways um i was thinking of like purging that's like kind of uh when, yeah. when you're yeah when you're doing like different types of psychedelics or plant medicines like yeah, that's yeah. uh definitely uh one thing um you feel uh I actually, uh, I did want to talk to you about plant medicines. I know you're, yeah, uh, you've uh, done quite a, like you've done some in your life, and I, I know there was one particular one that you were talking about that was a very like profound change in your life uh, from it. Uh, 
you can any chance you can share a little bit about that experience with my audience sure yeah most of my work has been with psilocybin with mushrooms and um in the beginning whenever i first experienced um uh, psychedelics I, I was using it recreationally i wanted to have the experience and eventually um i've only really had a handful of experiences but towards the end there i began to recognize it as a, an unbelievable tool for transformation and integration i um i began to approach uh, a trip with much more respect and sanctity um so that an, an intention and the intention that i had on my last um heroic journey was to understand unity and i i came to understand in a way that i i didn't expect because i didn't understand it <laughs> and um what what came about was a deep deep sense of relationship with myself that honestly for me it felt like finding god i had been raised in the church growing up and had found my own agnostic and then atheistic route and was very much um turned off to institution and uh, dogma uh, i wanted to be able to have a relationship with whatever god was in my own way and i thought that at a certain level of uh, maturation, I thought that I just had to reject what I had been taught and I'd reject what the world thought. Um, but I, I, it never really stopped the, the desire to connect, that basic desire of belonging, that desire of awe was always present as it is in all of us, all creatures. We desire to be, to feel safe. Um, and fundamentally what I found was going far beyond safety. You know, a lot of people, you may have heard the term ego death. When you have, an ego death, you face the fear of death um, or to, to varying degrees. It's different for everyone, which is why it's so amazing. It's really whatever you need um, and whatever you are choosing to co-create with it. And mm. I had a, I had a, a just sort of a, a breaking open experience that helped me to, um, you know, it, 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 your mind is in a very, very open state when you're in this place. And so you can reprogram a lot. You can also connect uh, dots in your head that were totally blocked off from each other. We live, we, we think we live in a, an entirely logical reality, but when you start to dissect and look at things and, and compare and contrast and have other people look at your inner world with you through therapy or whatever, you, you begin to realize that there's a lot of incongruities. There's a lot of uh, cognitive dissonance. There's a lot of inconsistencies. Um, and being in a totally open space allows you to, to recognize some of these things and also to connect dots so that you become a little bit more coherent. Uh, for me, it was sort of going beyond all words, going beyond concepts and feeling a sense of, of certainty and groundedness in myself that I hadn't really felt since I was a child and thus opened the gate. I mean, I've, I released so much pent up anxiety and stress and, and, and pain and trauma and was opened in such a way as to feel totally giddy about life totally um excited about being in love with my wife and my kids and we were in a an intense state in our marriage and just i realized so much of it was just me uh, and my fears and my patterns of of thinking 
we're creating my problems. We're creating my fears. You know, you, you, you may have heard this idea of you draw your fears to your, you know, when you are afraid of something, you tend to draw it closer to you. This is very mm -hmm. true. I mean, I, I began to witness this phenomenon in my own life that I would be reacting from a fearful place. And then the, my wife or my kids or even the animals, they would respond from that fearful place back at me. And so when I project fear, I get fear. When I project joy, love, acceptance, I get that in return. I be, I become a bigger container. And so that's really what happened to me is I got, I got expanded. I got expanded beyond the limited concept of my, of my assumption of who I and what I am. And I got to see all the things that I am and all the things that I'm not. And it made perfect sense. And then I went back to my life and um, I just sort of fell apart because I had experienced such beautiful bliss. And, but all of my patterns were sort of uh, in, in opposition to me being able to find that in my daily life. So what it's been for me since has been learning to integrate what I connected to and never, and just the, the, the mission is, is to never lose touch with that again, because it's me, it's God, it's life itself. And, and when I am fearful, when I'm um, being judgmental or trying to control things, I'm living in a very constrained organism. I'm living inside of a body that's trying to fearfully control its environment so that it can survive rather than actually being in a place of beautiful open acceptance and gratitude for the gifts and blessings and tools that I have at my disposal. And it's actually a much better strategy to first recognize your fears, see them as an alarm, but then let them go and respond from a peaceful place. You know, the, 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 the I think it's the, the Navy SEALs say slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Well, when you're when you're responding from a fearful place, you're you're cluttered, you're distracted, you're you're reactive, and and you're, you're you often cause harm to the thing that you're trying to do. But when you're responding from a peaceful place, you can be slow, you can be smooth, and you can get things done effectively. So it's actually pra uh, practically one of the most uh, important things you can do if you're trying to accomplish anything in life is to come at it from a peaceful place. And so I found the deepest root of peace that I could find in my body. And so what I needed to do from that place was learn how to mature my brain, mature my body, my life patterns, all of the things that I do with myself and how I react to come back to that central place of connectedness to myself, to my body, to just being alive without words or concepts for God, for, for life, for source, just simply being here in my body. And from that place, it's been a beautiful experience, man. To be honest with you, I feel like um, the person that I was died. And I still love that person and, 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 and have that person with me. But so much more was opened up that I get to be so much more joyful, so much more excited. I get to do more. I, I would have never been comfortable coaching other people in that former version of myself, uh, so it's really opened up the doors and, and you want to talk about transformation. It was, it was utter, it was absolute transformation. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I like how you said, like, cause like when we talk about ego death, a lot of the times it is actually some part of you that is dying. You're letting go of yeah. some part of you or some yeah. habits or whatever it is that was really causing like issues in your life. I, I, I know that feeling and um yeah, and uh, I, I know the exact feeling you're talking about, like feeling that complete connection to whatever your being is. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know, like it's when you whenever somebody gets into this kind of uh, this kind of feeling or 
this kind of experience, um, especially through psychedelics, like it's so hard to put a word on it. But like, I like how you were just saying, like, whatever it is, your being, whatever myself or whatever this connection to whatever life is, whatever you want to say it is, like there is that connection that you really can feel when you're in that like deep experience. And um, when you come out of that experience, the whole idea of like trying to like keep that connection or at least try to like get back to like, uh, you know, do some sort of exercises that really make you understand like, hey, that connection is real and try to try to be with that like every day almost like that really does help you. Um, can, can you maybe give us some ideas of like how you integrated that whole experience and like keep that whole that memory of that experience alive? Yeah, that's a great question because that was actually just the most important mission after that point was to develop the practice. I'd already had a practice in the mornings of of, uh, of doing a movement practice, um, of meditating and reading or writing. And that was very helpful to have already had that in place, but to it, it deepened and it became much, much more serious. Um the full-on heart of devotion awoke in me that I was I was ready to become the man that I knew I could be. So the practice was the the most essential step. Um, you know, the holistic psychologist she, she talks about it as uh, keeping small promises to yourself, and this is actually the 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 first step of having integrity. To be able to keep a promise to yourself means that you can keep a promise to others. To live in alignment with what you say, to make sure that your actions and the things that you say align. Um, I found myself on the mat, uh, on the yoga mat every morning with my head in my hands, um, very often crying because for a long time, um, I didn't, uh, realize just how much nervous energy, anxiety, inner turmoil, um, trauma had, had, uh, built up and would, would greet me first thing in the morning. I would just sort of unconsciously go about my business and just other things and be frustrated and grit my teeth and do things poorly and, and break things or injure myself, you know, just the kinds of things you do when you're really unconscious. And now I had, I had had this, this experience that I was constantly, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to this place. I want to, I want to come back to myself and I want to stay in that rooted place. And so it was basically, it was a prayer because I would come out of sleep and I'd have all this tension in my head and tension in my body. And I would put my head down in that, that humble, you know, you prostrate yourself, you, 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 you basically humble yourself, which is the appropriate relationship with the infinite, <laughs> which is the appropriate relationship to have with something that you do not have control over. You know, very real. If you meditate for a minute, you'll realize you don't actually have control over your thoughts. Mm. You know, you, you, you do anything with your body that you haven't done before. You realize, oh, I, I didn't even know I had muscles there. You're not, you're not really in control of your whole being. Um, and so to be humble is the first step. And that humility opens your heart. And opening your heart, it allows whatever's been pent up or stored or kept to release. And for me, it was tears. And it was always easily accessible. And I didn't hide them anymore. I, you know, my wife would know that that's what I was doing. It wasn't, you know, sitting there uncontrollably sobbing, but tears would come. Sometimes it, it would be a sob. And I was grateful to have a little bit of time alone to, to process that first thing in the morning. What was that? I don't have words for that. I could put a story to it, but most likely it's just something that's been lingering in me for years. And 
So it was a slow process of regularly just making myself feel what was present in my body and allowing it to pass so that I could stay attuned and present to the life that's flowing through me rather than getting stuck and fixated trying to escape my pain that that I was carrying with me throughout the day. So first and foremost, I release in the morning um, or just stay present. But months after that, uh, the crying stopped. I, I realized that I didn't need to express much anymore. Um, I, I actually became very, very fascinated with this idea of integrating, of, of taking that energy of what energy I have in my body, whether it's anger, frustration, whatever words I could put to it and putting it towards work. Um, what is it that I really want to do with my life? That, that became very, very important question to me because it's one thing to just manifest a much more peaceful inner world. That's great. That's just your inner perspective has changed and you are a different person and the way you act in the world is very, very much improved. But what now? you know, what, what am I going to do with myself? And so it became very important to me that my co-creative relationship with life, that I actually took the fucking reins that I, that I really did something about my problems in my life and, and communicated my needs to my partner and did that sort of work in our relationship and in our family and, and rebuilt trust between she and I, between me and my kids, because I'd been so angry and I'd been so angry at them and resentful consciously and unconsciously, it took a lot of reparation. So built, rebuilding those things was the, was the, the beginning. And, and then really working on what I wanted to do, spending my time so that the energy that's flowing through me, the love, the excitement, you talk about your practice and, and being a comedian and having, having all this joy because this, you know, the life itself becomes everything that you get to scribble down a note and, and bring up to uh, bring into your comedy. Well, I, I wanted to find a way to stop doing the things I didn't want to do anymore, the things that were exhausting me. Uh, stop getting stuck in those patterns of procrastination and, and resistance and find what work truly excited me and, and give myself to it so that now my inner world is more integrated and peaceful, but it's also in relationship with my outer world, what I'm doing with my time. It becomes a, basically it's a, it's a process. You, you start dealing with whatever is, is broken and hurting inside of you. And you give that as much time and attention as it needs and when you have reached a point where you are feeling more mature, more whole, you from there can actually begin to, uh, to, to step out into the world. But I wouldn't worry about trying to be anything out in the world until you just first realize what you are on the inside. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that's, uh, that's uh, very well said. Uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, you went through such a good transformation. Um, I'm actually... Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a couple uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm uh, that that, that uh, I've done it many times before, so it's uh, something I like to try to do every year. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, you know, once a year, kind of like connect back with that uh, whole energy, and like mm-hmm. it really gives you that guidance and uh, uh, whatever. It kind of like purges you a lot of like the like the kind of anxieties or whatever you've kind of built up over the year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like uh, it's actually been like two years for me now because of the pandemic. So this should be interesting. But that whole story you just kind of told got me excited because I know uh, I know what it's going to be. And it also got me a little bit like, all right, I got better, like prepare a little bit because I know it's usually pretty intense as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, preparing uh, intentions is a very important thing and also setting setting the stage for what it is that you what it is that your you your awareness your your attention that you put on the inside like 
what is it that I really need to work on right now? Or what is it that is, is coming up for me in my life externally and internally that's really asking for my attention? And those are the, the most obvious and important things to put to put on the altar, essentially, of, of that, that sort of sacred space that you're tapping into. Because recreational, yeah, psychedelics can be a really fun and cool experience. But transformationally, it's also one of the most powerful things you can ever experience. And many people that they, they log their experiences with psychedelics, it's not just immediately after three or six months to a year after. It's, it's 10 years down the line is one of the most profound things that ever happened to them. So if you approach it with that kind of uh, capacity within yourself and to respect its capacity on you, there, it, you really, don't, the sky's the limit essentially on, on what's possible. Mm -hmm. And like you said, intention is a big part of it. I, I think I got mine down for this one, but like, yeah, it, it, it's really true. Like really kind of like know why you're going into it and uh, what you want to kind of work on. And, um, and honestly, I'll, I'll say like when I first tried ayahuasca, it wasn't like I didn't really have much of like that intention because I just really felt stuck in life and I just didn't know what I'm kind of doing it for. But I had that calling to like go and do it like something in me said like this is what I need right now. So mm -hmm. like I, I would say the first time I tried ayahuasca, I, it, it was definitely like me kind of going at it with like what do I need? It was kind of like asking the medicine itself, like, what do I need? And it really, it, yeah. it gave me, it gave me what I needed. And uh, it, it really opened up like a new realm inside of myself. And that realm was kind of based in like the whole uh, feeling of like gratefulness and like uh, really trying to tap into that and like bring that into my life because I had, didn't have any of that. Um, but then that's what I needed at the time. But like, as that opened up, and as I kind of understand it, now I can kind of go into a ayahuasca ceremony and really kind of be like, okay, now I have a clear intention, because I'm kind of a lot more aware of like how this kind of works. Um, but yeah, man, uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, Daniel, honestly, this has uh, been such a really uh, deep podcast i really appreciate you coming on um i got one more question it's the question of the podcast uh daniel moody god yay or nay i'm gonna go um, a full yay <laughs> a full yay all right and uh i'm actually wondering i guess like uh because I know you said you went through your agnostic atheist uh, phases which honestly i went through as well like did uh did psychedelics kind of change that answer for you a little bit what's interesting is that i had already been on a path through um <laughs> through an intellectual path of of study through psychology and also deep deep philosophies and spiritual texts to, to try to come to that sort of uh, cohesion within myself and relationship with god and then psychedelics pretty much just brought it all home mm. um for, for me the 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 idea of god is something that consumes all of our words for it uh, all of our ideas, all of world religions and faiths, but also goes far beyond it. And it's also the most simple thing in the world. It's simply what you are. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's entirely practical and it's infinite at the same time. That's awesome. All right, man. Uh, thanks, Daniel. This has been amazing. Uh, please let my audience know uh, where they can find you, uh, anything you want to promote or anything like that. Just let them know now, please. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, you can find me at uh, Daniel Moody, DanielHunterMoody.com. You can email me at DanielHunterMoody at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at uh, DanielHunterMoody. Um, one thing that I'm very excited about right now is uh, being a songwriter and also being a coach. I've, I've um, had this beautiful offering uh, become inspired called Song for the Soul, which is actually a songwriting course around healing and growing transformation. Um, so through the process of writing your own song, using your own voice, using your own story um, to come up with the, the, the lyric, the inspiration, but also doing that within a setting of a group and having one-on-one -on -one settings with me. Um, it's, it's a really profound uh, methodology for like the artist's way for using um, one of the, these fundamental ancient universal languages that we have, which is music, to allow that, that movement and processing to come through. So that's an offering that I have that's an online group that uh, anybody could reach out to me for. All right. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. Uh, all right, dude. Uh, this has been amazing, Daniel. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often. Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay! Or nay.